BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And so we really need to to step back and figure out how we can help those small businesses recover, but also listen and learn um, uh, to what we can do to make uh, our society a more just uh, society and have lasting change. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. And with us today is the president of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce, Jack Lavin. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. And my deepest condolences on the death of your mom. Thank you, Fran. Yeah, she she lived a great life to be 92. And we should all be so lucky. And uh, we were all able to be with her um, at the end, all her children and grandchildren. And so um, we're Every day gets a little bit better. We're very sorry, but we celebrate her life and all the good memories. She had to live through this, this ordeal that we're living through. What did she think? Did she talk about it at all before she went? She did talk about it a little because she she uh, had been in, she had uh, broke her leg and had surgery in January and she had been in extended care. So she was in um, an extended care place, isolated, uh, we hadn't seen her except on Zoom for two months, and she was very worried about the pandemic and what would happen. And and, and in the end, um, she came home uh, for hospice, and we were able to see her. But yes, she she was so worried about her children and grandchildren and what will happen in the future. And uh, I think uh, being isolated is not good. We need to. I know it's important to protect. Uh, our senior citizens and people in extended care and nursing homes, but uh, we also need to know that isolation uh, isn't isn't good either. So we need to we need to work on something for that. This has been one of the most destructive and gut wrenching weeks in Chicago's recent history. What are your thoughts about the protests that turned violent and were hijacked by those intent on destruction and looting and the damage that it's done to Chicago businesses and to the city's image? Yeah, well, Fran, I mean, I, I've been profoundly shaken uh, by these recent events. Um, you know, the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis just triggered an overwhelming response that's touched everyone. And it, George Floyd and 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 Breonna Taylor and Armand Arbery, the incident with Amy Cooper, you know, add COVID-19 and the disparities. Um, so I think, you know, especially the, the murder of George Floyd just has uh, propelled the country into action, which has been expressed uh, by the outpouring of grief and frustration by the protesters, which, uh, you know, we support their right to protest, but we've also had some tragic and senseless violence. But 
you know, I reflect on how the city and our state and country move forward. And I recognize, you know, I'll never know what it's like to be the target of institutional racism or systemic injustice. It's a deep pain and trauma that's inexcusable. And sadly, it's been a reality for too many years. It, it really erodes the fabric of our society and prevents us from achieving full equality. But I also know that we can commit to change, the needed change that's long overdue. And I know for the chamber um, and our members and community partners, that must start with a commitment to listen and learn. We all need to, it's a moment to step back and to listen and learn and have the courageous uh, conversations that we need to have about race and speaking up about injustice. Um, so that these are difficult days and you, you have this in the COVID-19 and it, it's, a, it's an emotional uh, uh, roller coaster ride for our businesses, particularly our small businesses, which impacted by COVID-19, then the protests and some of the destruction. And, and for our small business owners, this is their life dream. Their life savings are into this. And so we really need to, to step back and figure out how we can help those small businesses recover, but also listen and learn um, uh, to what we can do to make uh, our society a more just uh, society and have lasting change. We've seen corporations trying to get on the right side of this. What do they really need to do? What do Chicago businesses need to do? Well, like I said, I think we need to have uh, the tough discussions. I think, you know, our large businesses are not going to perform well without strong small businesses. They're part of our supply chain. Uh, and so they're interrelated. They're interconnected. They need to do to, to both be strong. Our supply chain needs to be strong. Um, so our corporate community needs to step back and take a look, look at how we're supporting our small businesses, how uh, particularly how we're helping our businesses in communities, our minority owned businesses. And we also need to take a look at how are we hiring and bringing new people into companies and, um, and are we uh, pursuing diverse pipelines for hiring? Um, and then we have to look at our communities. You know, there's a lot of discussion about um, the downtown and the central business district and the neighborhoods, but really they both need to do well. You can't have a, a, a strong downtown without strong neighborhoods, and you can't have strong neighborhoods without a strong downtown. They're both inter interrelated. And so the business community um, has to step back and look at how can we help. I and mean, the Edelman trust barometer, uh, Edelman does a trust barometer every year in the last few years, uh, who is trusted the most? It's not the politicians, it's not the media, it's not uh, a lot of people, it, but it's the business leaders and the businesses. People look to their businesses to provide that leadership. And so um, the Chicago business community, the Chicagoland Chamber, we need to, to step up, um, build that trust and have those courageous discussions about race that we need to have to make sure uh, the full fabric of our community is strong whether it's neighborhoods and downtown, um, hiring, procurement, community, we need to we need to make sure we're all strong. Because if we aren't, uh, we'll continue to have uh, our economy and jobs and uh, not created companies won't locate here if they don't feel that the neighborhoods and the central business district are connected and we are addressing these issues.
But so many of these companies are just fighting for survival with all the losses tied to the pandemic. How can they do more hiring and more minority hiring when they're fighting to just survive? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, we, we are going to um, recover. We uh, have a history in Chicago of resiliency and building literally from the ashes. Um, and so we are going to recover. So we have to step back and take a look at uh, what we're doing and the practices we're doing. We will hire people. So let's look at what we do for diverse uh, pipelines of finding talent. Let's look at what we do for job training. There's going to be new jobs created from the COVID-19 pandemic and in, in health in the healthcare area. How are we looking at hiring and, and bringing people on there? There's going to be new processes and protocols in uh, manufacturing plants and transportation and distribution and offices. How are we retraining our workforce there and how are we looking at that? Um, how are we helping our small businesses? Let's take a pledge to buy from our supply chain and have them be Chicagoland companies. Um, if we want a strong supply chain, we need to buy from our local companies. So I think, I think there's a lot of areas that the Chicago business community uh, can step up and will step up um, to make uh, our economy strong and make it strong uh, for the future. Um, this pandemic, uh, these protests, I think are going to change how we operate as a business community, how our businesses operate, how we uh, bring talent in. Um, all these things are going to change and the outlook of businesses are going to change. And so we need to be on the cutting edge of that. How do you think the city handled the protests? Were they prepared? Did they impose the curfew quickly enough? Did they enforce it? Did they cancel police days off quickly enough? Did they raise the bridges quickly enough? Did they seal off downtown quickly enough? Did we have too much damage, more than we needed to, if they had been more prepared, do you think? I think the city and the mayor did a, did a really good job. Um, these are difficult times. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the George Floyd murder was uh, uh, the catalyst of a lot of things that have happened. The, the pandemic, the disparities uh, that became highlighted from the, the COVID-19 pandemic, a history of these disparities. And uh, uh, I think when you have a lot of people who have lost their job or worried about their livelihood, and then um, you add these events that have shaken us, I'm not sure anybody could have t totally predicted the, um, the vastness and the, and the uh, emotion of these protests. But I think that the mayor has done a good job. I think um, uh, today with her Together Now Fund, I mean, that's really what we need to do. We need to look, how are we gonna help our small businesses get up and running? as quickly as possible. Um, I know we're moving into phase three, uh, both for the state and the city. And so we need, to, we need to look forward and figure out how are we gonna get people back to work? That's really the number one thing. Uh, if people have a job, it takes care of a lot of um, uh, social and economic issues and injustices. And we need to make sure we get people back to work, get businesses up and running again, and talk about the important issues of economic uh, justice um, and uh, um, 
the ability for all to have opportunity. Jewel Osco has contributed a million to that $10 million fund for a total of $11 million for small businesses. Are you calling on your members to, uh, to join them? We will certainly, we certainly support the Together Now Fund and we'll ask our members to support. We've had, you know, the mayor has introduced her Invest Southwest and we've had many of our members uh, participate in that, both financially and with uh, time and resources. Uh, BMO Harris Bank, uh, Fifth Third Bank, Bank of America, uh, AT&T has their uh, Believe Chicago program that goes into 19 communities. So we certainly support that um, and our members are supporting the mayor's initiatives to help uh, the south and west side and the neighborhoods and communities there. And we support uh, the Together Now Fund uh, because we need, you know, everybody was excited about June 3rd and phase three and opening up. And now we have uh, this, uh, these events of the last week that will slow us up and will add more cost to businesses opening up. So the sooner we get them all up, the sooner we can have uh, jobs and people back in jobs. So there's, so many, there's only so many $1,200 checks the federal government can mail out. The real bottom line is we got to get businesses open and we got to get people back in jobs. When the violence spilled out into the neighborhoods, particularly on the south and west sides, places like Walmart and Target and suffered heavy damage, Walgreens, the, the pharmacies. How will you convince these big box stores to, to keep their presence in neighborhoods that fought so long and hard to, to attract them in the first place? Will they come? How do you, what do you tell them? Well, I, I think, Fran, that's a great question. And companies do have choices these days and they can go anywhere in the world. Um, but I think we have, um, Chicago is a, is a great city. Um, we have so many great resources with our airports, our educational institutions, which uh, give us a great pipeline of talent. We have diverse neighborhoods. We have a, a good quality of life. I think these are all things that businesses want to see when they locate uh, in Chicago or anywhere where they locate. They want to see that quality of life. And I think this is an opportunity um, for us to recommit to uh, continue to make Chicago a global city, a great city to live in. Um, and I think our uh, corporate community, Target, Walmart, others uh, will see that and will want to be here um, because we the customer base is here. Um, but we also, from a wider business standpoint, we have the talent here. Uh, we have everything uh, to be great. Um, and I think we just need to continue to uh, put that message out there and, and uh, uh, to the business community, uh, to companies that are thinking of locating here. And I think, I think there's a commitment, as you've seen from the business community uh, over the past few days, that we do need to step back. There are issues that we have. Um, there are disparity issues, particularly um, with uh, minorities and black and brown uh, neighborhoods. And we need to address those. And I think what you saw with Jewel Osco today on the Together Now Fund, what you've seen with BMO Harris and Bank of America and AT&T, Comcast and other businesses, is they do want to address these issues. And particularly uh, the last few days, many have stepped up. ComEd, uh, 
uh, supporting Black Lives Matter. They've stepped up to say, we need to have these courageous discussions because we are a great city, but we have problems and there's not opportunity, equal opportunity everywhere. And we need to address that because if we don't address it, we can't reach our full uh, economic potential. But you and I both know that what businesses want most of all is predictability. We have seen nothing like that recently. It was one of the most violent weekends in recent memory. 23 homicides, probably more, countless shootings. What damage was done to Chicago's image? And then on top of that, you also have the issue of financial insecurity and unpredictability, where the city was a billion dollars spike in pension payments facing that, and now there are 500 million more than that in the hole because of the pandemic. So you don't have predictability on any front. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, Fran, that's a great question. I, I think first, every big city uh, in the country is facing these same issues. They've had the protests, they've had the the COVID-19 uh, economic uh, uh, downturn. Um, so we're all addressing these issues. I think part of it is how we move forward. Um, and that's an important question. And I think, you know, I've said this many times, who hires people? Businesses hire people. So we need to make sure we support our businesses. Half our businesses are small businesses. They, they employ, or actually our number of businesses is higher, but small businesses employ half of our uh, people, and we need to make sure we take care of them. And yes, uh, uh, businesses want um, financial stability. Um, they want to know their stability. And I think that we do need to take a step back and look at what is happening and make sure that we're putting policies in place um, that help support businesses and help them get back on their feet um, and be able to bring people back to work. Um, and what? some of it, you know, it's not, it's not, we've had some discussions, uh, fair work week, minimum wage. It's not the policy discussion anymore. We've had the policy discussion. Now it's about implementation. How is that being implemented? Um, the mayor stepped up and uh, delayed the private right of action, but fair work on fair work week, but it's still being implemented July one. And we have hotels that are at 5% capacity. We have restaurants that are doing curbside and delivery and just now opening up outdoor, they are, they don't have corporate staffs looking at these issues right now. And quite frankly, they don't have time. They're worried about the resources they need if they're recovering from a, a protest or the resources they need to deal with the, the health pandemic, whether it's more PPE that they have to pay for and, and obviously less customers. So we need to do everything we can to support them from a regulatory standpoint to help them save money. Cash flow they can have now helps them hire people. The predictability of scheduling, they just aren't going to know till they get back up and running. So let's, let's give relief on some of these issues that the small businesses need in order to get their doors open, find out what their new business model is, what the costs are, what the the customers and clients are going to be, and then um, let's uh, let's the policy is set. Then let's implement some of these things. So yes, there are areas that we need to to continue to look at, and it's not one area. It's a cumulative. You know, we have a we have property taxes changing. 
uh, our Cook County assessor is, is, is changing that and shifting the burden more to commercial businesses. As I mentioned, scheduling and minimum wage, uh, the increased cost from COVID, all these things add up to a cumulative factor. And if we, we raise the cost of doing business too much uh, or put too many regulations out there, some of these businesses that shut down during uh, COVID are just not going to open up again. And we really so need to have these asking, businesses open up. Are you asking her to delay the implementation July 1 of $14 an hour and delay the predictable scheduling July 1 until when? Both of those. What do you want her to do? Uh, we we have asked uh, on the minimum wage for a six month delay. I know some others have asked for longer. We've asked for a, a six month delay on the fair work week. We've had a number of discussions, the private right of action. I applaud the mayor for changing that and delaying that till January one. I think there's further things we can do on the implementation so that until we're out of the health crisis, um, and until we have more predictability on how customers are going to come back for hotels and restaurants to um, to delay how they're implementing uh, uh, that. So, yes. So you'd like to delay both the minimum wage for six months and the fair work week for six months. We, we have we asked and the, and the mayor did the private right of action for six months. Some of the other things in the fair work week. We've had ongoing discussions of how that's been implemented. So, so uh, those discussions uh, vary. So I can't say it's a blanket this or that. Uh, but we do think until businesses open their doors again and start operating and have some predictability of what's going to happen, that that uh, the implementation of it uh, should be uh, delayed or changed. For how long? It's hard to say. I mean, uh, if 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 the economy gets back up and running and rolling again, it may be sooner. Um, uh, we understand it can't be put off forever. We aren't. The policy was decided, so we're not arguing the policy. We're decided. We're we're arguing on how they implement it and how they work with businesses, particularly small businesses, on how it's implemented, so that they can focus on getting their doors open. Um, and finding out what their new costs are of operating um, and what their clientele is going to look like um, before full implementation. How much damage was done by the rioting? Do you think that there might be damage similar to 1968 where we'll see neighborhoods that are, will not come back for long periods of time? I think... I think you know when you pile on uh, the the protests and the and and the 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 um, some of the violence by the very few that caused that damage, uh, and you add COVID, it does I think delay the recovery. Um, I was happy to see that the unemployment rate numbers, the job numbers were a little bit positive today that came out. So that's a good thing. But I think you have a different uh, environment now. And there's a pledge by um, uh, the business community to uh, to listen and learn and have a dialogue about some of these disparity issues. And I think there's a greater understanding of 
the need for the business community to be strong and reach its full potential, we have to address some of the disparities in, in certain neighborhoods of the city um, and help them grow so that they're strong, uh, so that the downtown can be strong, so our supply chain can be strong. Uh, and that's important for uh, the business community to reach its full potential, open its doors back up and get people back to work. Chicago is gradually reopening this week. What do you expect the long-term impact to be on office space downtown with all the social distancing requirements, with working from home? How many jobs will return? How many won't? Yeah, uh, Fran, that's a great question. And I think there's a lot of issues. Um, we've been working with our members uh, on an economic recovery task force. And, you know, really, first and foremost, our concern is the safety and health of our employees. And in order to have that, they have to have trust. They have to have trust that their workplace is going to be uh, good, that the transportation to get there is going to be good. And so we have to build that trust level um, in order to get people back to work. I do think, um, as you mentioned, the social distancing, that will change office space. Um, I think what this pandemic showed is a lot more people uh, can work at home and be efficient and productive at working at home. So you may not see as many people, you may see more flexible scheduling and more working from home rather than in an office. On the other hand, there'll be more physical and social distancing in the office. So the layout of offices may change. So you may have less people in the offices. You may still have the same office space. It's hard to, to say at this point, but I, but if there are less people in the offices downtown, that will impact the businesses downtown. Um, and so that remains to be seen uh, what that will be. Um, but that, that is uh, something that the business community has to look at. And we also have to look at how we're going to help our hotels get back up and running, how we're going to attract conventions to the city, because then that helps fill the hotel rooms, fill the restaurants, uh, create uh, economic opportunity. Um, and we don't want to fall behind uh, other cities that have conventions and large business venues. We need to continue as data comes in to be creative and innovative on how we get our convention business back up again, get our business meetings uh, back to Chicago. Um, okay, and shoot, then tell me how your idea, what are your ideas? I mean, we've seen conventions canceled through the end of the year. What is the future of McCormick Place turned into a makeshift hospital never used? How are we going to get business travel and conventions back? What ideas do you have? Well, I think we have to look at the public health side of things, and I think we have to make it not so complex. I mean, I think as we get more data, we find out that there's a few things that we really need to focus on. Washing hands frequently, social distancing, wearing a mask, um, workplace culture, and, and how we build that trust. I think these are simple things that have been shown to really control uh, the health crisis. Um, and so we need to use that data and use those practices to say, okay, within that, how can we uh, have more business meetings come back and conventions come back and how they can operate. Um, and we need to be creative about that and look at what's happening. Uh, Germany's doing some things. Other countries are doing things. We need to look at that here in Chicago 
um, and be flexible and be open-minded to ideas to help us make sure that uh, that these conventions can come back and they will come back. Um, we will have a treatment, we will have a vaccine, um, but we want them to stay here and, and we have to be innovative and we have to let our restaurants get up and running. Um, you know, I know we're doing the outdoor, uh, but we need them to be able to open up inside. And even if it's 25% to start, let them open up inside so they can see how the processes are going to work and how they can work with customers and, uh, and uh, serving staff and all that. Um, we need to start doing that. We need to start, uh, we need to open sooner. Businesses need to open sooner and not be as conservative. We certainly want the health and safety first and foremost but we need to get the business community up and running again. We need to use the data that's out there and we need to be creative and flexible. So what specifically should Governor Pritzker relax in terms of his grip on this thing? Well, I, I think the restaurants is one area. We should start letting them open up inside. But I think overall we need to... Um, we need to expand the testing and the testing available. We had a small business uh, uh, member, someone tested positive. They have a, a, a small retail bakery. And so they had to close down for two weeks and they couldn't find testing. Now I know testing is becoming more available, but we need to make testing more widely accessible. We need to have clear guidance on protocols on what to do when someone tests positive. We recently surveyed our members and 66% said they want clear guidance. Um, and what do you do when someone tests positive so you can minimize the impact on that business? Um, and so I think we need to be more creative. We need to make sure testing is accessible everywhere and, and, and more available to everybody and people know where to go. Um, uh, we need to have the tracing um, and we need to create public-private partnerships for the tracing and for our healthcare institutions and hospitals to work with businesses um, so that they can have the testing available right away and have the tracing and all that. So we can minimize when there is a positive case, the impact, because we can't open and shut down businesses. We need to have a way to mitigate the health issues while opening up businesses and letting them stay open. The Chicago casino fix was authorized by the General Assembly. Where should it go? Where does it need to go to generate maximum revenue as we see Las Vegas reopening very carefully? Yeah, that, that was an important thing that uh, passed during the General Assembly, and we were there and supportive of the mayor. Um, so uh, I think that the mayor's done a lot of work. I have not seen it all on locations, and then now that they... Um, have the legislation passed in Springfield. I think we move to the next step. The mayor moves to the next step to start uh, uh, requesting proposals uh, on locations. And I think uh, we need to look at the data and, and see what that is. She's done some work. Uh, I think there's more work to be done, but uh, we're excited about the casino. We supported the mayor in Springfield uh, to make that happen. Um, and we look forward to working with her on that. Well, she wants it to be part of an entertainment complex. Doesn't that mean it has to be near the downtown area or in the downtown area, somewhere close? 
Yeah, I think it needs to be near the downtown because that's where the people are and the conventions are and the business meetings. So um, where that is exactly, I think that's uh, something that the mayor and her team uh, working with the private sector on a request for proposal, I think we'll, we'll work on that and um, we'll see where that goes. There aren't many big parcels. Uh, McCormick Place East, where would you like to see it? I, I, I don't have a, a favorite location. I think uh, we need to look at the data and where we can, where there's uh, available space that'll maximize the revenue and make it part of an integrated part of uh, uh, the business community in Chicago and the entertainment and restaurants and hotels. The last time you were on the show, you were touting the benefits of the One Central project, that massive project over rail yards near Soldier Field, anchored by a transit hub like no other. Is that dead now, do you think? Absolutely, it's not dead. I mean, that is a project that has uh, great benefit. I think it's even more relevant today because the the transit infrastructure that would go in there would connect the south side to the downtown, create greater mobility, connect to the Michael Reese site, the Obama Library, and further south. Um, I absolutely think uh, it has great potential. Um, it also has a creative and unique public-private partnership that Springfield passed, unique in the country, uh, to be able to, to help fund it so it's not dependent on uh, city dollars. I, I strongly believe uh, many of these big projects should move forward. In a time of economic recovery, building infrastructure is a good thing. It creates jobs. It builds the infrastructure to, to have growth for the future. And much of the commercial residential development doesn't come for two or three years when the economy will be recovered. So I certainly think the 78, which has state backing and the University of Illinois for the Discovery Partners Institute, One Central, Lincoln Yards, Michael Reese, the Obama Presidential Library, all are great projects to move forward and we should find ways to move them forward because they'll create jobs now and then provide opportunity later with commercial and residential development. And then last year, we also passed a data center tax incentive through the General Assembly. And, that, and that's a, something where we have data centers being built around the country and they can be built right here in Chicago. And a data center has hundreds of millions of dollars of investment to build them. Um, and it helps create jobs and helps us be uh, connected and we're at the hub of the nation. And so these are all projects, infrastructure projects that have uh, funding behind them that will create jobs and help us uh, into economic recovery. And these are tried and true methods of economic recovery. So yes, One Central is absolutely uh, still alive. And before we go, Jack, Mayor Lightfoot has committed money for all sorts of things during this crisis, but where is it coming from? Will she have to resort to layoffs and service cuts, do you think, to shore up her budget? Well, I think all governments are going to have to look at their budgets and shore it up. I think the, the, the looking at the data right now of how the, the revenue has changed, um, as I mentioned today, the unemployment rate numbers were good. So we hope for a, a faster economic recovery, which will help. So I think we want to work with the mayor. Uh, I applaud the mayor, uh, the communication and dialogue throughout the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has been great. She has talked to us. 
we, of course, we don't always agree, but there is a dialogue and there is discussion and, and we've worked a lot of things to help the business community, whether it's deferral of taxes, uh, regulatory relief. Um, so I applaud the mayor. Um, I, we look forward to working with her on the budget um, and how that can be. We understand government services are not free. We do need to have them. So we need to work together to make sure there's a balance. Um, we don't overburden residents and businesses, but we, we have to, we do need the services. So we want to work with her to keep that balance. Jack Levin, thank you so much for joining us. And we can will I, see you Can I add one thing, Fran? Sure. Uh, uh, as with most organizations, we have usually have an annual meeting. Uh, it was going to be June 2nd in person. We're now moving to a virtual annual meeting. It's on June 18th. Uh, and we have a great panel discussion. We have uh, the presidents and CEOs of three of our sports teams, Michael Reinsdorf with the Bulls, Tom Ricketts with the Cubs, Ted Phillips with the Bears to talk about economic recovery as it relates to our sports teams, but also overall um, uh, economic recovery. So we're very excited about our annual meeting coming up on June 18th. Visit our website at chicagolandchamber.org to find out about uh, participating in our annual meeting. And the question will be, will there be baseball before then? I hope that that comes to some kind of an agreement because I'm a diehard Cub fan. Anyway, I hope so too. thank you. Thank you so much, Jack, and we'll see you all next week.